This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. Well, praise God. We're on our fifth part of Blessed to be a Blessing. How many people are blessed out here? You, you all better raise your hands. Amen. Glory to God. You, you are blessed. Somebody say, I am blessed. And you are blessed to be a blessing. And, you know, we talked about, you know, that uh, we have the blessing of God on our lives. We have Abraham's blessing on our lives. Amen. And, you know, that's threefold. You know, we, we really have the blessing of Jesus on us. And, and that number one blessing is eternal life. Amen. Can somebody say eternal life? I'm telling you, it's good to have eternal life. Jesus said that he came to give us that abundant life. Amen. And so, and then, of course, you know, Jesus took stripes on his body. He took, he took a beating for us so that we won't have to take that beating. Amen. And so that we can walk in health and wholeness. Amen. Now, you know, uh, you know, complete victory is walking in divine health. Amen. And so that's where I want to get to is divine health. But until I get to divine health, uh, I'm going to walk in healing. That means if something attacks my body, I'm going to get healed quick. Amen. And then, of course, the Bible says that Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. And, and I'm telling you, God is so awesome. And God doesn't want us broke. He wants us blessed so that we can be a blessing. Amen. And so, uh, you know, the four keys of our church, I'm just going to kind of go over this a little bit more so, so you can remember. Amen. The, one person said the secret of learning is repetition. So you got to keep going over it. Amen. And so really, number one key to our church is we want you to know God here at Exceed Life Church. You know, our key is to get people in and so they can know God. And really, that's the reason why we do a uh, prayer at the end of every service on Sunday morning is so that people can come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we want to see people get saved. Amen. You should want to see people get saved. How many people want? Amen. You should get excited about people getting saved. Glory to God. And then in the process, you know, uh, that our church is built on is that we want you to have freedom uh, in, in your walk with Christ. And we want you to walk in freedom. And, you know, when you first get saved, you know, some of us have issues. You can look at your neighbor and say, you got issues. No, I don't, don't do that. But some of us have issues and we're in a process of getting over some of our issues. How many people are over completely over all their issues? I don't have anybody raising their hands now. Well, so we're, say, say I'm in a process. And so hopefully, you know, Jesus said it this way, that if you continue in the truth or if you continue in his word, then you will have freedom. Amen. The, uh, the freedom of God's word will set you free. So we have to continue in the word of God. And then in that process, and we have classes where you can join the church and uh, and get into a place where you can find out where you fit in the church. Amen. And and that's that's for you to get purpose And God has purpose for each one of us. Amen. And and God has called each one of us for to do something specific down here on this earth. You believe that today? Somebody say, I have purpose. I'm telling you, when I got saved and when God was calling me and uh, this was years ago, uh, one of the main things that the Holy Spirit was dealing with my heart was that I had no purpose. You know, I was going to college and 
and I, was, I had some things in my life that I was doing, but the Holy Spirit started revealing to me that my life had no purpose unless Jesus is in it. Amen. And really, your life has no purpose unless Jesus is in the center of your life. It, can, I, can, can I get an amen here? Amen. Uh, yeah, amen. So we got to have Jesus to be the center, and that's what drew me into the kingdom of God, is that I started realizing that, I, that life outside of Jesus it is all it is, is, is it's, it's pride and it's vanity, as one preacher says it. And I don't want my life to be full of vanity and pride. I want it to be about God. Amen. Amen. And then, you know, what our focus on these, uh, uh, this series on blessed to be a blessing is that God wants us, you know, to go into a place where he wants us to make a difference. Amen. For the kingdom of God. And God, and so this is really, this series and sometimes I preach messages where you want to run around the room and you're excited, amen. But this series really is to challenge you. Oh, my gosh. You mean, Pastor, you mean you, you want me, to, you, want, you want to challenge me this morning? Yeah, I want to challenge you. Amen. Church, you know, when you're in church, you should be challenged. Amen. It should challenge you to get into your Bible. It should challenge you to start praying for others. It should, it, you should, I'm challenging you this morning to be a witness. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? So, so today's sermon is Go Tell It on the Mountain. Amen. And God wants us to, we, we sang that song, to go tell it on the mountain, that what, that Jesus is alive. Amen. And really that Jesus is more than just alive in heaven. That Jesus is alive in us. Is Jesus alive in you this morning? Is he alive in you this morning? He should be alive in you. Amen. And and so in this series, we're looking at 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19. And it says here, this is uh, Paul exhorting Timothy and really the church. And in, in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, the New Living Translation, uh, Paul exhorts us and he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. So we need to be very careful that when we're walking through this life as Christians and God starts blessing us, that our faith and our trust isn't in what we have. It's in who we are. And sometimes I think sometimes when we start getting blessed, we start putting our faith and confidence in what we have instead of who we are and whose we are. And so it, it, it can, it, it can get, um, it can, we can easily switch our faith into what we have in our bank accounts. But we want to put our faith and trust in God. Amen. And it says their, their trust, our trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So God gives us things for enjoyment. Then he says, tell them to use their money to do good. Amen. Uh, they should be rich in good works. So he's exhorting us to be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So we should always be ready to share some of what we have with others. Amen. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. And, you know, I'm going to say this, that, that we, as we walk this, this walk, we need to walk this walk with an eternal perspective. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? In other words, you know, we're here on earth and we can get so uh, earthly minded, we're no heavenly good. <laughs> in other words, we can get so caught up in, in, in this earth and, and all that we have and uh, our stuff and we can get focused on that and we forget that, that this life is more than just that. It, really, we should be living not just for this life, but for the afterlife. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Because the afterlife, because there is a life after this life. And you know, that life is really true life. We have life now, but but really we're entering, the Bible says we're just pilgrims passing through. You're just passing through, amen? I, I heard one person said it this way, that this life is a test. So really, we're, you know, you might be going through a test today. You might be going through a trial today. Uh, in just a little bit, we're going to be in heaven. In just a little bit, we're going to be on the streets of gold. In just a little bit, there's not going to be any devils for us to fight. In just a little bit, we're not even going to need faith. You know, we need faith down here. I'm telling you, you don't have any problems. All you need is just a little bit of faith. Faith will change any problem that you might be dealing with today. And that's why you're here this morning, because I'm trying to teach you how to walk in more faith in God. And so really, we, we need to think about, because this is, this is Christmas time. This is the season of Christmas, and, and, and Jesus is the reason for this season. But more than that, just December, Jesus is the reason for every season. And so we, this is a time where we need to be thinking about what Jesus has done for us in setting us free. Amen. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and I have a lot of them. Anybody have any favorite scriptures in here? You should, ha- you, as Christians, you should have, I like to say, pillar scriptures. And these are scriptures that keeps you grounded when the storms of life come in. Amen. Any time when the enemy's trying to come against me and try to make me think that, I, that, that, that my future, there's no hope in my future. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not to harm, to give you a hope and a future. I need to hold on to a scripture like that when the enemy's trying to show me a bleak future. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? You need to have pillar scriptures. And this is a pillar scripture. And I think every... Every born-again believer should have this one memorized, John 3.16. Has anybody ever heard of John 3.16 in the house today? And I love this because this is really the meaning of Christmas. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he just thought about us. <laughs> and, amen. No, he, he, he loved the world, but he, he said, For God so loved the world that he, he gave. You know, the greatest expression of love is giving. Amen. And the Bible said for God, that's what Christmas is all about. It's not about getting. Sometimes we turn it into about getting, but really it's all about giving. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? Jesus says more blessed to receive than to give. No, he didn't say that. That's reverse translation. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed, amen. I ra- Listen, I'd rather be somebody's miracle and help them out than needing a miracle. 
Are you here? Would you rather be in a place where you have cancer and, and the doctor tells you that you're going to die in three months? And there's no medical way they can help you because it's in stage four and you have to believe for a miracle. Or would you rather be the person praying for somebody that has stage four and have them get the miracle? Where, where, what, where would you rather be at? I don't think you want to be the one needing the miracle. I think you want to be the one praying for somebody, get, helping them get the mirror. Are you listening to what I'm saying today? Man, are you guys hearing me today? I, I'm telling you, I want to be the miracle producer. Amen. And God has created us to, 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 to work miracles in people's lives through prayer and the name of Jesus. Amen. So John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I love that because, you know, there is a reason for Jesus to come. And that reason is so that we won't have to be judged for our own sins. That the reason is because if Jesus didn't come, we would have to be judged for our own sins. And, you know, um, you know I'm not good enough to make it to heaven. I don't have what it takes to make it to heaven. I'm not perfect enough to make it to heaven. But praise God, Jesus is the perfect lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. And you know what? He was born of a virgin. I believe that. He walked this earth perfectly. In other words, he never made a mistake. I believe that. In other words, he never sinned. He's the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He was tempted in all points, the Bible says, as we are, but he never sinned. Amen. And then he went to a cross that he did not deserve and he did it for us. And he paid the penalty for our sins. That's good. I'm going to say this. God's not holding your sins against you today. You have freedom today. Your sins are washed away. They're not just covered up like in the Old Testament when they sacrificed an animal and just covered their sins. No, your sins are washed away. You are in right standing with God today. And that's something to be excited about. Say, I'm excited. Amen. God's not holding your sins against you. Amen. So, 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 so I'm, I'm so thankful because, you know, I'm heaven bound this morning. And you're heaven bound this morning, but there's many people that's outside of this church, that's out in the highways and byways, they're hell bound. And they're on the, on the, uh, on the road, the broad road of destruction. And I'm telling you that we need to be there and we need to be somebody's miracle. And we need to be the one to tell them about the goodness of Jesus and let them know that God's not holding their sin against them. That their sin's already paid for. And you know what the travesty about people going to hell is that Jesus already paid the price. People don't have to go to hell. All they have to do is receive Jesus. Jesus paid the price for the whole world. Positionally, the whole world sins are forgiven. Just one drop of Jesus' blood cleanses the whole world of sin. So what's keeping people from going to heaven? Receiving Jesus. 
That's all we have to do. And that's the promise. But I love this is that when we're talking to people about Jesus, it says here in verse 17 of John 3, of John 3, it says, For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So, so, so listen, we're not here to condemn people. We're here to bring people into the loving arms of Jesus and let them know that Jesus is not holding their sins against them. I like what it says in John 10, 10. Jesus said it's the thief. And he's talking about the devil that, that, that does not come except to steal, kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it what? More abundantly. And so I'm telling you, that's what God wants us walking in, a life that's overflowing. Some of us, we're walking our Christian walk and we're tapping the reserves when we need to be living out of the overflow. And I'm telling you, when you're living out of the overflow, that makes you a happy witness for Jesus. You say, Pastor, how do you live in that overflow? Get into the word, get into prayer. Amen. I'm telling you, you start praying every day, reading the word, allow the Bible become alive to you. Allow your relationship to become alive. Our relationship needs to be alive. People need to know that that, that you are a Christian by by what? By by how you how you respond to things. We don't we respond differently than the world. I'm telling you, when when a storm comes in our life, we don't cry about it. We rejoice. In James one, it says rejoice. It says, count it all joy when you encounter problems. We rejoice when a problem comes. Okay. That went over big, Pastor. Like a lead balloon. You know, yes, you rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. We rejoice when we have problems. Why? Because faith will bring you out of those problems that you might have. Faith will bring you out of that disease that's attacking your body. Faith will bring you out of poverty. Faith in Jesus Christ will bring you into a new dimension of life. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Jesus, I came that you may have life and have it what? More abundantly. So Jesus came and set the captives free. And I love what it says in Acts 10.38. And this is really one theologian says that this sums up. This is the whole summary of Jesus' ministry down here on earth. And in Acts 10, 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So we see this, that Jesus actually, he had, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So the devil is doing some things, but you know what? Jesus is doing some things. The devil is trying to bind some people up, but Jesus is trying to set some people free. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? That's what we're called to do. I'm going to say this today to you today. You are anointed and you are appointed to set the captives free. And you might be thinking this morning, but pastor, I'm pretty bound up myself right now. Well, that's why you're sitting here this morning to get more free so you can set somebody else free. You are anointed. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, yoke destroying, burden removing, power of God. That's what the anointing is. It will destroy every yoke. The devil's not greater. Sickness is not greater than God's healing. 
Poverty is not greater than God's prosperity. Are you hearing what I'm saying, Jay? No, God is more powerful than the devil. I, see, the gospel is designed to set people free. I love the message of the gospel. And really, it's designed to set people free uh, that, that's bound up by the enemy. I love what it says in Romans 1.16. And this is Paul. And he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and for the Greek. Amen? And so he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. So the gospel will set people free. And I'm going to say this, you know, you may say, Pastor, you know, I'm only one person. What can I do? You know, I, you know I'm going to say this, and this, this, what you can do is, you know, how we get people into the kingdom of God, I like to say we do it one person at a time. You don't need to focus on the whole world. Just focus on one person. Just start praying and asking God, who can I minister today? Is there somebody I can talk to today? Is there one person I can bring out of darkness into the kingdom of light today? Is it somebody? Are you hearing what I'm saying today? One person. Jesus spoke to crowds of people. But Jesus was also always interested in the one. And Jesus would go to great lengths. Amen. To get to the one uh, over the multitude. So here, let's look at Luke 8. And we're going to look at this story here this morning. And it's, uh, uh, we're going to study about uh, this person that's, that's bound up. Amen. And, um, and in, in Luke 8, verses 22-25, and let's look at this. And we're talking about the power of the gospel. It says, it says now it happened... On a certain day, this is Jesus, Luke 8, 25. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, talking about Jesus. And as the windstorm came down on the lake, and they were, and they were filling with water, and they were in jeopardy, and they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master... Master, we are perishing. So, so they got into a boat. Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. We have a mission. And I'm going to say this to you. You are on mission today. Amen. Your life is all about mission. And Jesus said, we have a mission. We're going to get to the other side because we have somebody that we need to set free. And uh, then, then, then Jesus arose, rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased and there was a calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he even commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So uh, Jesus is, is, he's on a mission. And, and we, we know that Jesus went to town to town preaching, but he was on a mission to go to the country of the Gadarenes. And, and this was a, 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 a journey to set one man free. And, and what happens is when we go out, to try to do something for God, the enemy is going to try to hinder us. Amen. See, some theologians will try to tell you that that storm was brought on by God. But I have to tell you that, that, that God doesn't fight against himself. Jesus is always in unity with the Father. And, and so this storm that came up, I believe, was there to hinder them from minister to this one person that they're trying to get to. 
And I'm going to say this to you today, that, that there might be people in your family and that you've been thinking about, I need to need a call or I need to pray for. And, and I'm telling you, procrastination will, 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 will kill the idea of us witnessing to other people. In other words, when God moves on your heart to do something, step out and do it. And so Jesus was in the boat and he and he said, we're going to the other side. And, 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 and they launched. But the but the enemy tried to stop them. But the enemy is not greater than God. And Jesus spoke peace. Be storm, be, be still to the storms. And I love this because Jesus was actually, Jesus said that, where is your faith? I believe the disciples had, had enough anointing on them where they could have stilled that storm themselves. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? I'm going to say this. We have more power than we think we do. You have more power than you think you do. You have more power in the name of Jesus. And we need to start speaking faith-filled words to the storms that are attacking our lives. And believe that Jesus is doing something about it. And Jesus can still your storm. Amen. Then it says in Luke 8, 26 through 39, it says they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes which is the opposite of Galilee. And when he stepped out onto the land, there met him a certain man from a city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor, uh, nor uh, did, did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, what have I, do to, what have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. And so we see here that this man, uh, you know, sometimes I think we think, you know, even when we're looking at people around us or neighbors and all that, sometimes we can we can look at people and see how bad off they are. And we can think, can God do anything with these people? Can God do anything with my relative that doesn't that doesn't believe in God? Can God do anything with my wayward child? Can God do it? Yes, God can. Somebody say, yes, God can. And this man right here, he, he had demons in him and, and he cried out loud voice. He said, do not torment. Me. We know that, that those were the demons. And he said, I, I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of this man. For if he had often seized him and he was kept under guard, bound by chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demons into the wilderness. And so we see this, that. That the, that the people of that town tried to shackle this man and they try to do everything in the natural to, to try to get this man tame. They, they, they put shackles on him. They put him in a place. They, they, they try to try to keep him in a place where, you know, where nobody would, would see him and he would break the shackles. I'm going to say this. Natural science can do some things. They, they might be able to try to, but they can't fix people the way that God can. And I'm going to say this, that, you know, natural science have things. Thank God for medication. Thank God for medical science. But God is greater. And God can set the captives free. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And Jesus asked the saying, what, what is your name? So Jesus, and he said, Legion, because many demons have entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now, a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him 
that uh, he would permit them to enter in them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. And when those who fed them saw what happened, they fled and told, the, uh, told it in the city and in the country. They went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they also had seen it told them but by the means that he had been demon possessed and was healed. And the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Galileans asked him to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear and he got into the boat and returned. Now, this is interesting that. That this man that they couldn't really do anything with. In other words, they were used to this demonic man being in their country. They were used to, to, to what he was doing, running around the tombs and cutting himself. And they were used to all this. And they, and they got, and, and they just thought it was, after a while, it was normal. I'm going to say this, that people that have problems isn't normal. God doesn't want you having problems. Sometimes we're in our walk with Christ and we have issues and we have things that we're battling. And that's not normal in the kingdom of God. God doesn't want you battling things. He wants you free from things. Are you hear what I'm saying to you today? And for some reason they got fear. I guess they were, they had, they were afraid because the pigs that, that, that they used to make money, that, that the pigs are more valuable than that man to them. But that man was set free. He was sitting at Jesus' feet. He was clothed because the Bible said he was naked. See, the devil, all he wants to do is strip you down. He wants to make you look foolish. He wants to make you look foolish to the world. The devil wants to boast on how big and bad he is and that they couldn't do anything with, with him. But Jesus could. Jesus can do something with your problems. Jesus can do something with your problem relative. What? Can he do something with my problem? Jesus can do something with your smart relative that's too smart for God. Yes, Jesus can invade their lives and Jesus can set them free. And I'm telling you, some of you are going to have relatives over for Christmas and Jesus can move on your relatives. Jesus can set them free. Do you believe that today? And I, and I love this because Jesus had to go. They had to go through a storm. They had to go through all the process. Jesus had to cast the, 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 the Bible said it had a legion of demons in this man. This man had a legion is like 6,000 uh, uh, regiments, 6,000 soldiers. And so and so. So I'm telling you, this was probably the worst off man in, in the Gospels of the, of, the, of the Bible. I don't think there was anybody any worse than this guy. And this guy, and the, the devil had this guy, 6,000 demonic spirits, but they were no match. For the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this. No matter how bound up people are. They're no match for Jesus. Jesus can set anybody free. And I love what it says here. That now the man from whom the demons had departed. Begged him that he might be with them. But, and so, so this man wanted to stay with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away. Saying now this is, this is really powerful. Return to your own house. And tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus has done for him. Think about this. I'm telling you, the devil loves to pull people down and bring them into a lower level. God loves raising people up and putting people onto a higher level. 
Are you hear what I'm saying to you today? The devil wants to bring you down. God wants you to bring you up. And so Jesus came to this man, set him free, and then gave him a commission and gave him an assignment. And he became the evangelist in that city. I'm telling you, everywhere he went, the whole city knew who this man was. He was the worst man in the town. And he ended up becoming the best man in the town. He ended up becoming the man that was set free of all these demonic problems. And now, now, instead of him being a showboat for the devil, now he's being a showboat for God. Now, God is able to use him to set the people free that might be dealing with issues. When he starts talking about Jesus, I believe God that Jesus put an anointing on him to be an evangelist, to bring people to God. Now, you might have some problems yourself and you might be dealing with issues yourself, but it doesn't matter what issues you're dealing with. God still can use you to set the captives free. I like I like in John. Uh, again, we're talking about that Jesus went to the one. And so in John 4, uh, it says, now he had to go through Samaria. So Jesus was traveling and he had to go through Samaria. And so he, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sinkar. This is in John 4, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob well, well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. And it was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? So this is a story, you might remember the story, of Jesus ministering to the Samaritan woman. And this Samaritan woman comes to him and, and Jesus' disciples are out. And Jesus is tired and his disciples are out trying to get some food. And Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, you know, give me a drink of water. And then gets in a conversation with her. And so, and, he, and she said, what are you, a Jew, you know, asking me? And, and because Jews did not deal with the Samaritans, they, kind of, they didn't mix. Amen. They, there was a lot of prejudice back then. Thank God we're not prejudiced today. Amen. But there was a lot of prejudice back then. And, uh, and, so, and so they didn't mix. And she said, what are you, a Jew, asking me for a drink of water? And I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. And I'm going to say this to you today, that God wants us walk, receiving his living water where we don't have to thirst no more. Jesus can fulfill every need that we have. Jesus can fulfill every want that we have. Jesus can fill our cup, glory to God. He wants to fill it to overflowing. Are you hear what I'm saying today? And she said, give me that water. And then, I love it, Jesus said, come, bring your husband. Come back, go, get your husband, bring him back. And she said, I had no husband. And then Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You had five, and the one you're with isn't your husband. And I love that because Jesus was reading her mail. Jesus was revealing truth to her. What Jesus was saying, it was more than some theologians would say, well, Jesus was exposing her sin. You know, she was living with a guy. And, and, you know, no, I believe that Jesus was trying to reveal to her she was looking for love in five relationships. They didn't work out. She's in a relationship right now that she's in fear of getting married on the sixth time. and, And she may not, she doesn't know if that would work out. So she was looking for love in all the wrong places. And Jesus Jesus is saying, God can give you the love that you need. 
God can give you the satisfaction that you need. You don't have to look for satisfaction in a person, per se, in a man, in a natural man. Get your satisfaction from God. We, I'm going to say this to you. Some of you married people out here, thank, thank God for your spouse, but they're not going to fill your cup all the way. Uh, are you listening to what I'm saying today? Some of you married people, don't put all, don't put all your chips, if I may, uh, on your spouse. Don't put all your faith in your, don't get all your love from your spouse. You better get some love from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Because God is the one that will fill your love cup. Thank God. No, 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 no. You're there to love your spouse, and they're there to love you. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? In other words, you're supposed to out-love each other. And when you start out-loving each other, not thinking about your own self, but as you start out-loving each other, it will be a match made in heaven. That's free this morning. I'm not going to charge you for that. And so, are you hear what I'm saying today? We're, we're supposed to love one another, amen? And, and, and respect one another and, and, and treat one another. You know, I remember the Lord revealed to me one time, and he said, you know, he, he revealed to me, how, how I treat my wife is how I treat Jesus. So I started asking my wife, well, you want me to do something for you? <laughs> so how I, how I treat, how I treat, how you treat your spouse is, is like how you treat Jesus. And I, I, don't want, I don't want to disrespect my spouse. I don't want to disrespect Jesus. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? That's free today. I'm not going to. Amen. Amen. So, so we, we're here talking about Jesus and we're talking about the power of the one. And, and, and so Jesus was ministering to her. And he's saying that I'll give you living water. And he was telling her really that, that, I, that you can get more love from God. You don't have to get your love from the world, but get it from, from God. And, you know, his disciples came back. She actually left. She got excited and left and went into town. And his disciples came back and it says here, and they were wondering, you know, what Jesus was doing, talking to the lady. And it says here, my, and Jesus said, my food said Jesus is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It is still four months until the harvest. And I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. For what Jesus was saying to his disciples when they came back, wondering why he was talking to her, he was saying that, you know what? The harvest is out here. I'm telling you, the harvest is out here. Wherever you're at, the harvest is at your workplace. The harvest is in your neighborhood. The harvest is at your grocery store. The harvest is out here. And I'm telling you, they're looking. I'm telling you, they're looking for love. The harvest, people out here, they don't care how much you know or how much theology you have. They want to know that you love them. Amen. You love them enough. To talk to them about Jesus. So you listen to what I'm saying to you today. And so it says here, uh, that lady went and told the Samaritans, as many of the Samaritans from the town believed him because of the woman's testimony. He, and she said, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and to stay two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. 
Think about this. This is a town here, uh, a, a Samaritan town here. And, and Jesus actually ministered to the one and she ministered to the crowd. And the crowd came back in to hear what Jesus had to say. And, the whole, and many people in that town got saved because of the one. You don't know who you're talking to when you're out there in the highways and byways. You don't know if it's going to be the next Billy Graham. You don't know if it's going to be the next Joyce Meyer. Matter of fact, you might be the next Billy Graham. You just don't know it yet. See, there was somebody that witnessed to Billy Graham and got him saved. And I'm telling you, every soul that Billy Graham got saved, it's going to be on that man's account as well. I believe that. And I'm telling you, God is bringing us into a place now where, you know, the world is getting darker. The Bible says the church is getting lighter and, 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 and the glory of the church is, is getting brighter. And the world, is, it's dark out here in this world. And I'm telling you, God wants us to shine like stars. He wants us to shine like lights, amen, in this dark world. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? So I'm going to give you uh, just three key heart attitudes that will make you a great witness for Christ. Amen. Number one, we have to listen. If you're going to be a great witness for Christ, you're going to have to have a heart of humility. Amen. You've got to have a humble heart. I'm telling you, what does that mean? You have to have a willingness to submit to God's will to reach people for Christ. You know, Jesus calls it the Great Commission. Amen. It's the Great Commission. He said, go to all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. And, and he gave the church, us, the church, to go preach the gospel. And to do that, you're going to have to you're going to have to get humble. In other, in other words, you got to, to, to be humble. You have to learn to submit to God. Amen. Submit under his authority. And I'm telling you, when we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, he will lift us up in due season. So it takes humility. It takes a humble heart to reach out to somebody you don't really care about. Are you listening to what I'm saying today? That you don't really, uh, who cares about this stranger, right? Who, they don't affect my life in any way. They're, 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 you know what I'm saying? What is that? No, no. Every person that you talk to about Christ, you should care about. You should care about people. We should have a love of love for people, regardless of who they are. We should have a love. Amen. Somebody had a love for you. What? Somebody, I guarantee you, somebody came across your path before you were saved. Somebody said something good about Jesus before you were saved. Somebody, somebody planted a seed into your life. I believe that. Even if it was a parent, even if it was your parent bringing you to church, they planted a seed for you to have faith today. And I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, Challenge you that you need to be a seed sower. You need to have humility about yourself. I'm telling you, you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Amen. You know, I think about the disciples and I think about how they walked with Jesus and and they were one day they were talking amongst each other and and they were talking about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. 
And they were talking about who was going to be the greatest. You know, because they were listening. They, they, they wanted the, the top seat in heaven. You know, the, the mother came to Jesus one time and said, can you, can you grant me this request? And Jesus said, what's the request? And she said, can both my sons sit at your right and left side in the kingdom of God? What mother wouldn't want their sons sitting at the right and left side of the king, uh, of, the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Amen. And, he, and then, of course, Jesus said, it, it's not for me to say who sits next to me in the kingdom of God. That's for God to decide. That's for the father. Good thing he, he had the, the father knows all things. Amen. And so that got Jesus out of hot water that day. But anyway, uh, it's for the father to decide. Amen. But they were arguing one, one, uh, amongst themselves. And Jesus asked him, what were you arguing about? Jesus knew what they were arguing about, who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to tell you, in the world, everybody's trying to get on top. But in the kingdom of God, it's a different way that it works. Jesus said, if you want to be on top, you've got to get on the bottom. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. In other words, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be servant of all. So he's saying to us, you know, if we're going to get humble, we need to learn to be a servant for Christ. I know we, we love the messages that we're king ki- kids and, and that we're kings in this earth. And we are. We're kings and priests unto the Most High God. And, and, and we like the idea that, that we have commanding authority. And you do. You can command the devil to get out of your life anytime you want. But, but we all, we're also, not only do we have commanding authority, but we, we also need to be under authority. And we need to be under Jesus Authority, And we need to be, you know, we need to see ourselves as humble servants in the kingdom of God. And when you start seeing yourself that way, I'm telling you, you're going to be a great soul winner for God. Because you're not going to be looking at it, what's what's all about for you. You're going to be looking at what can I do for somebody else. And I love it when Jesus, when he, when he, when uh, that night that he was betrayed, that he was going to the cross, he gave one of the greatest illustration, illustration sermons that he ever gave. And what he did was he, he while they were out, while they were eating dinner that night, he took off his robe and he, he girded himself with a towel and he started washing the disciples' feet. Think about this. The king of kings and the Lord of lords started washing the feet of the disciples. And he washed all their feet. And, he, and Peter said, no, not me. But you know what? And, and of course, Jesus said, if, if not you, then you have no part with me. And Peter said, my head and my hands. But of course, Jesus said, no, you are already clean. He said, just your feet need to be washed. But Jesus was showing an illustration that he said, what I do, you need to do with one another likewise. In other words, we start realizing that, that we are servants not just sons, and we are sons of the Most High, but we're also servants of the Most High. And when we put ourselves in a place of servanthood, that we're serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, it's going to be easy for us to take a little bit of time and serve somebody by giving them a kind word, by witnessing the Lord, by passing out a card and inviting them to church. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Or have you gone home? Amen. The number two key is that we need to have a heart of compassion. 
We need, we, need to, we need to realize if it wasn't for Jesus, where would we be at? We, we need to realize that, that if it wasn't for Jesus, we could be so lost and undone. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for Jesus, I don't know where I would be at today. I think I might be six feet under. I'm telling you, I'm the devil. My Lord Jesus. Anybody out there, ex-partiers out there? Any ex-partiers, ex-partiers? Nobody's raising your hand. Nobody's, no. Anybody used to party out there? I used to be a I love the party. And I'll tell you, the devil was trying to get me killed at a young age. He was trying to get me, I'm telling you, I was doing stupid things at a young age. And I should have got killed. But thank God for a praying mom. Thank God for a mom that prayed and kept angels over me. And I, I'm telling you, there's a few times I could have lost my life in doing the stupid thing. But thank God angels were over me. Thank God that, that, that my mom's prayers were over me. Thank God for a praying mom. I'm telling you, if, if you're a mom out here, keep praying for your children. Keep praying. If you're a dad, keep praying. Because your prayers don't go unnoticed. And so we have to have com- compassion. And that compassion is the love of God to compel us to reach people for Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew 14, 14, that Jesus saw the great multitude and he was moved with compassion and he healed the sick. Compassion will move us into a place where we want to be a blessing to somebody around us. Somebody say, I have compassion. And the third key, and the third key to being a great Witness for God is that you need to have a spirit of boldness. And I think this is what keeps most of us back from witnessing. I I think one thing is we don't think about it. We don't realize that we're on mission. Look at your neighbor and say, you're on mission. And we don't realize that we're here on this earth, but there's a mission that we're on. And we don't realize that. But once we realize that and we know that we need to be witnessing, I think sometimes fear will creep in. In other words, we, we get the enemy will get us fearful and talking to other people. Anybody ever get afraid out here? Anybody ever get nervous about talking? To Even me, you know, as bold as I am at times, I get a little nervous talking to people about Jesus. You, pastor? Not you. Yeah, every once in a while. And I just got to cross over that fear zone and I just have to do it. Amen. Amen. And, and when you face fear, the death of fear will sure to come. When you, the more you do something, the easier it gets. I'm going to say again. The more, anybody know how to ride a bicycle in here? Any, you know, how many people can ride a bike in here? Some people don't know how to ride a bike. Amen. This man don't know. No, I'm kidding. But uh, so, so, but when you first started riding a bike, you probably fell down a couple times. Amen. In other words, you weren't really good at riding your bike. And in other words, it, you know, I, I got to a point, and maybe you guys got to this point. I could ride my bike and without no hands. Anybody ever got to that point? Anybody could ride their bike without you? You could just kind of steer it and do one of these deals. None of you. None of you. Amen. And I could, I could also do a bunny hop and do all those kind of fun things. Anybody ever heard of a bunny hop? You could jump your bike and do all that stuff. And, uh, and, and you got proficient at riding your bike. I'm going to say this to you today. You can get proficient at being a soul winner for God. You can, it can become second nature for you to talk about 
God. Are you hear what I'm saying today? But you got to come. You got to get over this timidity, the spirit of fear that will try to keep us from doing that. And how do you do that? You have to pray and ask God to give you a spirit of boldness. In the book of Acts, in, in verse chapter 4, 29, 30, the, the, John and Peter just got out of jail. They threw him in jail for preaching in Jesus' name. But they came out and they came to their own company. And they came to their church. And, and they, they prayed a prayer. And, it's, and it goes like this. Now, Lord, look at their threats. Talking about the people that threw them in jail. The, uh, and he said, grant to your servants with all boldness that, that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they prayed for boldness. Even the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians asked for the church to pray that, that he would have boldness to open his mouth to speak the mysteries of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even Paul, as bold as he was, asked the church to pray that he would have more boldness. So I'm going to say this to you today. All it might be that's separating you from becoming a great soul winner is that you might just need to get bold. I believe, so. I believe you are humble. I believe that you people are compassionate. I just think maybe it's just overcoming some fear. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And this is why I want you to pray this prayer after me. Just say, all of you, pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, help me. Give me a bold spirit. To witness to people around me, and especially my relatives. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple. And you know what? When, we, when you pray that kind of prayer, God will give you that spirit of boldness, and you'll be pinching yourself. Like, wow, I'm bold. And that's all it takes is for you to be bold in Christ. Have a heart of compassion, a heart of love, and a spirit of boldness. And I'm telling you, when you start doing these things, I'm telling you, your, your walk in Christ is going to become more real and more real. See, it, it's not the people. Listen, the people, James said it this way. It's not the people that are hearers of the word that's blessed. He didn't say it's just hearers of the word are blessed. It's good. You're blessed hearing the word. But he, he, he takes it to another level. Do you know there's another level than just hearing the word? You know what the next level is? Doing the word. <laughs> My pastor, I love listening to your preachings. I love coming to church. I love hearing the word. Are you a doer of the word? Well, I love listening to the word. I love the way you preach. I just love the way it makes me feel. But are you doing the word? <laughs> Are you hearing? Yes, I love to hear it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But there's a time where you're going to have to put it into practice. (laughs) You're going to have to take the word and say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to minister to that one person. I'm going to pass out a card. I'm going to invite somebody to church. You're going to have to apply the word, allow it to work in your life. And when you do, I'm telling you, God starts moving. People starts getting People start getting saved, and you start realizing, wow, I am the next Billy Graham. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? Just takes one. 
I think most people, I think they've done a study, most people in the church, I'm talking about the, whole, the church and overall, most people never win one person to the Lord the whole time that they're saved. And it's more than just, you don't have to win them to the Lord, just get them to church. Just get them to church, and if they get saved in church, you want them to the Lord. Just passing out a card. You don't have to give them a whole explanation on how to get saved. Just get them closer to God. And as you do that, I'm telling you, you'll be so excited because you'll be what the Bible talks about, that you will be building a, a, a treasury up in heaven. And, and when you get to heaven, you will have treasures in heaven and, and you'll be so blessed that you did. Did you receive it this morning? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I just thank you for your mercies, for your goodness and for your love. And I thank you, Father God. Oh, that you are, uh, Father, you, 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 you have, have given us a message this morning. And that message humbles us so that we can be servants for you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that your love, it takes compassion, Lord, to reach people that, that, uh, that, that we don't normally have any relation with. And we thank you, Lord God, that your love is in our hearts because it's in our hearts because we're saved. And we thank you that that love compels us to reach people. And I thank you for that spirit of boldness that you're giving to each one of us so that we can be a bold witness for you and see people come into the kingdom. Father, I thank you for these precious people this morning. I thank you for those that are watching online. And maybe, maybe you don't know that you, if you died right now, you'd make it to heaven. You don't have an assurance of your salvation. You're, you're unsure if, if, if heaven's going to be your home. Well, the Bible says today's the day of salvation. And perhaps you're watching online or you're in the audience today and you're not 100% sure. Well, I'm going to help you be 100% sure today. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So just, just say this prayer after me and mean in your heart. And I believe it's going to translate you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just say, dear God. I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe you were raised from the dead for my justification. Jesus, I repent of sin and I turn fully to you. And I receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. And Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.